Welcome to the Life and Times podcast with your host Lloyd Phillips. This is a podcast that's put on for the people, by the people, of the people. I, to be honest, I think I'm the only people. It's all. It's really just going to be me, probably, and uh, occasionally maybe some other people, but. Welcome back to the Life and Times podcast. I'm your host, Lloyd Phillips. And, uh, you know, we'll get to our episode right after a word from our sponsors. Boxing Bear Print Company. You can reach them at BoxingBear.com. Boxing Bear is an independent art studio and print company located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Since 2011, the studio has stocked alternative art prints and paintings for its loyal customers and friends. And right now, if you subscribe to their mailing list, you can get 20% off. I mean, I'd go hit them up. As a matter of fact, these guys made my infamous podcast logo, which I'm still very much appreciative of. So go check them out at BoxingBear.com. Our next sponsor is The Cookie Barn. You can reach them at TheCookieBarnWaco.com. So they're an online cookie company, and they have a pickup location, and they'll deliver locally in the Waco, Texas area, but they also ship nationwide. So you can order for birthdays, anniversaries, reunions, showers, or just really any occasion, uh, or just enjoy them yourself. So they specialize in company and client relations, and they have discount pricing. So let your clients know and your customers know that you're thinking about them, and you appreciate their business. Also, with every purchase, you'll be satisfied knowing that you're supporting an amazing nonprofit organization and they help foster and adoptive families. So a portion of every purchase goes towards e1a.org. Encourage one another, thecookiebarnwaco.com. Winchester Ranch premium beard oil products contain unique scents that are unmatched in the marketplace. They only use natural, unfiltered, uncut oils to provide the most nourishing ingredients in your beard regime. So leave the big box beard oils for the hipsters because no self-respecting cowboy wants to work cattle smelling like a New Jersey nightclub. So whether it's AM Lumber, Outlaw, Trail Boss, or Whiskey Saddle, Winchester Ranch Beard Company has a scent for everyone. You can reach Winchester Ranch Beard Company at WinchesterRanchBeardCo.com. Once again, WinchesterRanchBeardCo.com. Welcome back to the Life and Times podcast, everybody. Uh, you know, it was a good week. Had a fantastic week. There, there was some pretty cool stuff. But, uh, you know, since this is a couple of days because I, I was out of town and I couldn't get it off, it's fine. I probably should have pre-recorded a show. I didn't. It's fine. We're here. So tonight, uh, I announced a basketball game. And, you know, if anybody's new, I, I, I'm a local basketball announcer. And so we were playing a team. Uh, that brought back some memories. Same same team, same guy. Uh, but we were playing a team, and I was determined to go speak to their coach. Uh, I just found out that he became the head coach of this guy. I'll get there in a second. And I've wondered something for over 20 years. I, I just want to know. Uh, so I'll get to 
I don't know which what, what I'm going to tell you first. I'll just go through them. There's this guy named Dante Swanson. Dante Swanson uh, was one of the best players in the state when he was in high school. And after high school, he went to Tulsa University, and they went to the Elite Eight. The only time Tulsa's ever went that far, to my knowledge, they never did a Final Four. Um, but he, he was there. Like, he was a part of it. Uh, they he, they went to the tournament three out of four years. And the, the off year they didn't, they won the NIT, Tulsa University. So this, this guy was good in high school. He was good in college. Wanted to play, like, 12 years in the pros. Uh, not 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 NBA, but uh, but professional basketball. He was in the, a Polish uh, league, Ukraine, and I think Turkey for a season. And they uh, he won a championship in, in 2010 in the Polish league and was like player of the year, whatever MVP, something. That's the backstory. Now we play this town. I, I grew up in Locust Grove, Oklahoma, and we play a town, Wagner, Oklahoma. Now here's the build up to this game. Everybody in Oklahoma, this is how it works. Everybody goes to the first round of the playoffs, um, the state playoffs. Everybody. If you're terrible, if you didn't win a game, you go to the first round of the playoffs. Why? I have no idea why. That's how it's set up. But if you're terrible, that means you play, um, you know, one of the best teams in the state. So that happened to be Wagner. Now, they were in our district. We'd played a couple of times. We'd played a few times in my high school career. Um, but this one, we met up with them in the district championship. There's only one game in districts. So, in the district championship. They're ranked like two in the state. Two or three. But I think two. Once again, we're terrible. Game starts. You know, whatever. Back and forth, blah, blah, blah. I'll get to it. With 13 seconds left, my school, we were terrible. Like, we, we were, my team, we were not good. Uh, <laughs> we were up. Seven points with 13 seconds left. Seven points. And here's how it unfolded all in 13 seconds. Uh, we have the ball. We inbounds the ball. His name's Dante Swanson. If I, did, I think I said it. If I didn't say it, it's Dante Swanson. So Dante Swanson steals the ball, shoots a three, makes it. Now we're up four, and we're in, inbounding the ball again because he stole it and scored a three. Shot a three and scored. So we inbounds the ball. They foul us. We go down, we make one free throw. Now we're up five points. They inbounds the ball, pass it to Dante Swanson. He runs down to his end of the court as fast as he can, shoots a three, uh, makes it, and now we're up two points. <laughs> this is all in 13 seconds. So, you know, like the game is, there's like no time. So now we're inboundsing the ball. This is our second chance. All we have to do is inbounds the ball. As a matter of fact, before I get to the next part, if, if we had just inbounds the ball the first time without it getting stolen, and we went down to shoot a one-on-one, had we made one or two, would have been up eight, would have been a totally different guy. We would have won. I, I mean, we would have won. Whatever. So here we go. Here we go. Now we're up two. Inbounds of the ball. Dante Swanson steals the ball. Uh, passes to a guy named Donald McJunkins. That's relevant for the story, but I remember his name. And Donald uh, went down and dunked it, uh, and they went into overtime. We, we went into overtime. And, uh, I, to be honest, I don't remember the final score. We just didn't win. I think we lost by eight, nine, 10, 11, somewhere in there. That's how, that's what we lost in overtime, but we had the number two team in the state down, uh, and <laughs> with seven points and 13 seconds left. Now I tell you that story to, to, because I always wondered, that's not like I'm clinging to that story though. I'll never forget it nor will anybody else who was on the court that day. 
uh, nor anybody in the stands who watched it. Just because it just was baffling. They were so good, we were terrible, we should have beat them. So I didn't like think about it. Oh, I thought about it often, but I didn't like think about talking to Dante Swanson. You know, years passed, and then I would just randomly keep up with him. I'm a Tulsa University fan, so I would uh, watch him play basketball uh, through college, and it was exciting to see somebody that you played against. And so, like, all that was cool. Well, years passed. He's overseas. I'd randomly think about him then. I'm like, whatever happened to that guy? So he's playing overseas. So now I'm announcing last year, and we play Wagner. And uh, I say we. I'm not uh, – um, uh, not Locust Grove, but, you know, the, te- the team I announced, Verdigris. So, I see Dante Swanson on the bench, and I'm like, no way. And so, I didn't say anything to him, but I so wanted to bring that game up. And, and I'll get to why I wanted to in a second. Anyway, it didn't happen. Fast forward to tonight. We play Wagner, and I'm like, I'm going to ask him, because for all his accolades and, and playing all over the world, and playing big-time college basketball, and all, all the teams, all the stories he could tell about Sweet 16 and Elite Eight and all those stories. I wonder, for somebody who was so good at basketball and have so many memories all over the front, from all over the world, I wonder where that game ranks in his head because it's so memorable. And, and he was a child, you know, at that time. I, he had to feel like Superman. So, tonight was my night. I was going to ask him on the court while I was announcing, but it turns out he was setting up at the top of the bleachers by himself, and uh, I was yelling from a lower level, and I'm like, man, I'll just be right there. So, I, I go sit down beside Dante Swanson tonight, and I said, just like this, you know, I, I'm like, hey, man, um, a long time ago in high school basketball, I was like, and I'm asking you this because I know you played all of the world. I, I know you have so many memories. In high school basketball, in 1998, in the district championship, you played Locust Grove, and he started smiling. <laughs> he started smiling, and uh, and I'm like, and I know you have all these memories, but I'm just wondering. Is that a game that even crosses your mind anymore? Like, have you told that story? Like, did, is that something that you think about all these years later, just the way that unfolded? And he and he said he literally said he smiled and he was like kind of laughing. He's like, "That's literally the most talked about game that I've probably ever played in." For all the elite eight and all the things he's did, he said that's probably the most talked about game that anybody ever talks to me about. <laughs> in my whole career. That's what he told me tonight. So, so these memories that I've had, and I tell, I've told that story a thousand times, just wherever it's relevant. And they don't even know who Dante Swanson is, unless you grew up around Oklahoma in that, in that era, in that time. I was, I, I, you know, kind of made me smile a little bit, knowing that somebody who was like that big and kind of that famous, uh, at the time that that's one of his most <laughs> talked about memories ever. So anyway, there you go. For anybody uh, who listens from my hometown, if you were ever wondering, I, I, wondering about that, I, I just got it straight from his mouth. So that was uh, that was actually a pretty cool moment uh, to hear him say that. Uh, yeah, there you go. So this so this week uh, I went to Las Vegas 
with with my buddies. Um, but none of them had been before. Uh, one, whatever. For the most part, there were eight people. Uh, most of them have not been. So there were a lot of things to accomplish in that time. And if you ever go to Las Vegas, I know some people go to gamble. So, uh, like uh, I know some people go to push buttons. Uh, some people go to sports bet. Some people go to play table games. And, and uh, you know, and all that's fine. If that's your thing, if that's your thing, then, well, you know, cool. You know, that if you like to go do it. But there are so, so many uh, things that, that I think get overlooked. Like there's uh, some museums there. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of like a lot of history there, sporting events, fights wise. And, um, so it's just a cool place to go to, uh, the history of how Las Vegas started, uh, like a mob town. And, and, and I was always kind of interested in those things where I'd read those books. And, and so, so being familiar with, uh, certain names, uh, of that era, I just find the place kind of fascinating. And there's there's other things that you can do. So here, anyway, I rambled. Here, here I go. So I don't know how many times I've been there. 20 times, maybe. 25. I wanted to rent, back in the day, I don't know, some type of convertible, whatever I came up with. I've recently uh, got all hung up on these Polaris slingshots. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah. I did a whole podcast talking about it being my daily driver, but I, I X that idea when one finally came in and I went to test drive it. And that day it just so happened to be 108. And remember I was going to make it my daily driver rain or shine. Uh, but that 108 temperature that, that, that was good for me. I, I decided right then this cannot be my day. This cannot be my daily driver. I'll I'll have I'll have a stroke a week. I'll have a heat stroke a week if I uh, if that's what I chose. Anyway, so I go to Las Vegas and it and the weather was great. It was sixty degrees, and I woke up one morning because it was always my thing. Oh, I've never been to the Hoover Dam. I I've flown over it, never been there. So for about the last five or six years, it's almost like bucket list type. I wanted to rent a Polaris slingshot. And, and I wanted to drive to the Hoover Dam. It's like 32 miles, 33 miles from, from where I was at or from where I rented the place, rented the, uh, the slingshot. So I did that. And honestly, I was there four days. And yes, I had fun with my friends. It was a lot of fun. Um, but the slingshot for me, because I probably because I wanted to do it forever and I was so excited, that was the coolest thing. So me and my wife, we got in the slingshot and I... I drove to the Hoover Dam, and the Hoover Dam's awesome. Uh, there's some movies that were shot there uh, that I didn't think about while I was there. Somebody said, oh, yeah, remember the movie The Fugitive? Yeah, I love the movie The Fugitive. So if it is on there, and because I, I don't remember, I, now I want to go watch it. I'll probably do it after this podcast. I'm pretty excited to watch The Fugitive because of the Hoover Dam, even if it's only in the shot for 30 seconds. It's just cool that I was there. Um, and so, so many, so many pictures and images. So I was excited, man. The wind in my hair, I was, I, I didn't like speed. I probably drove 80 miles an hour speed limit, 65. It was just cool. Uh, just being in the desert. Here's what I'm saying. I know people go to Las Vegas to push buttons. I honestly think the next time I go to Las Vegas, like I, I'm kind of dead serious. I don't, I don't know if I'll go, if I, um, Minus me going and watching a show, which I'll get to that in a second. Minus me going and watching a show, 
I don't know if I'll even go to the strip. I really want to stay on Fremont street because that's the most, um, interesting place to be at nighttime. I feel, I feel like, <laughs> I mean, I don't, it gets, it's two ways. Maybe you shouldn't be on Fremont street at nighttime, but, but you know, they got the light show and all that. And, and there's just, there's just a lot of scenery there. A lot of, a lot of people, <laughs> they rent their squares out there on Fremont street and perform all their, uh, whatever things they've learned in their lives. So it's like interesting to see, but I really think that I want to rent a slingshot or some kind, some type of similar vehicle and just, just ride on that four days. There's the atomic museum there. I haven't been there, right? I've never been to the atomic museum. I didn't know it was a thing like the atomic bomb museum. It's there. So next time I go, I want to ride out by groom Lake. I want to get as close to area 51 as I can. Um, I don't want to like get in trouble, you know, but I want to get, close enough to where those vehicles park and stare at me. You know, that that would be an experience. Uh, I want to go to that museum I just told you, right around the desert. They, man, they have There's another thing they do. You can rent dune buggies and four-wheelers and ride to Mexico. I don't think you can ride into Mexico right now, but, you know, you can, like, ride to the border, and that's a thing that you can do. And I've wanted to do that. that that's probably the, the other bucket list thing that I haven't done in Las Vegas that I really actually would like to do that. Like, I think that would be super, super cool. So, anyway, it was a good time. Like, hanging out with my buddies and all that. Oh, yeah. So, I've seen a few shows in Las Vegas. And, and uh, I don't know if you've seen... If you've been to Las Vegas, and even if you haven't, you've heard of these Circus Olay shows... You know, a lot of uh, flying through the air, trapeze kind of things. Well, the one O. In my, in the last 20 years of going to Vegas, seems like 20 years, the most advertised show, at least as far as I'm concerned, what I remember, uh, you remember Blue Man Group would be plastered all over the place, which, by the way, I did not see one single Blue Man Group um, advertisement no billboard or anything. That's the first time in forever in my Vegas career going. So maybe it doesn't exist. I don't know. But, oh, the show, oh, Circus Olay, oh, I finally went to go see, oh. Uh, another thing. I guess, you know, maybe a bucket list thing, too. Not a real bucket list. A Vegas bucket list thing. I So I don't know if you've seen the show. It's It's, <laughs> it's like there's water, right? And there's trapeze people. Is there trapeze? There's no trapeze. They fly around on ropes, and they just uh, they launch into the water, and they do a bunch of dives. They jump from out of the roof. I don't even know where they come from or how high. And it's really amazing and kind of scary. I'd be scared to. Well, first of all, I me personally, I would never get on one of those Olympic high dives and attempt to do a flip. I would att- I would do a back flip. And hit the water. I would not do multiple flips and hope for the best. No way would I do it. You know, and and, and here's here's the thing. Uh, when you watch Olympic diving, <laughs> like when you watch Olympic diving these days, like these Olympic athletes, um, a lot of less masculine people who are doing uh, the high diving these days, the ones mastering it. And so, you know, it'd be easy to like point fingers if you're this big masculine guy. Right and be like, oh gosh, look at this. Well, you know what? I'm not getting on that high dive. <laughs> Those guys got more guts than I do. I guarantee it. Once again, I would just like do a backflip. 
uh, probably wouldn't do multiple flips and just hope for the best. Wouldn't do it. Uh, ramble there for a second. So the show was good, but they there was like this clown show. Like every, I don't know if you call them in between acts, whether maybe setting up the background that you can't see, but there was like a clown. There was a clown show, and it wasn't funny. It, it was a clown. He didn't even talk. Like you, there was. It was not an audible language. It would just be like uh, it's like a mime. It would be like a mime, but he made sounds, and he was. It, this is all he said over and over. He said it a thousand times. Ay, ay, ay. Ay, ay, ay. It wasn't funny. Like, it wasn't humorous at all. As a matter of fact, it was kind of cringeworthy, and it made me... <laughs> I didn't hate the show, but when they were on and I was watching it for that part, every time in my head, I'd be like, I hate this show. By the way, when I left, I don't hate the show because the things that they were doing were pretty amazing. I'm simply saying... When the clown show started on a raft, it would be something in like a 1910s, 1920s silent film humor. You know, like a hole, a hole in the boat, uh, water shoots up 40 feet. You know, just stu- it's just, I, I, it was dumb. But if you haven't watched, oh, for the... Um, for the athletic, the athleticism that's in the show, yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh, side note, everybody, side note. If you uh, listened last week and you're like, oh, man, did you see Joe Montana? No, I did not see Joe Montana. He canceled. He must He must have been hanging out with Adele. They must be on the same flight. Uh, no, he canceled. Adele wasn't there. Joe Montana wasn't there. So, no, I saw nobody. Mm, nope, I saw nobody famous. At all. You know, occasionally it's Vegas. You you can see somebody famous. And I have numerous times, but not this go. Not this go at all. Uh, oh, yeah, and I did ride. I stayed at the Venetian, and I rode that. There's a lot of things different, man. I think maybe it was COVID-based. Um, you had to wear your mask uh, in indoors, everywhere indoors. Same kind of stuff. When you sit down to eat, you can take it off. And, uh, I don't think you had to have your mask outdoors, but this gondola ride, look, man, I could be crazy. I, I swear. I, I, I think, right. I, I mean, this could be like Mandela effect and maybe it never happened, <laughs> but I, I swear I've rode the gondola at the Venetian. And I remember where I got on the gondola at the Venetian because it was a memorable moment between my, me and my friend trying to tip the boat guy, you know, the singer, the you know, it's like you're in Venice, Italy, where the guy, the romantic boats. We were trying to uh, see who could tip the most, and I ran out of cash. So the point is, the guy made out like a bandit. Uh, so I vividly remember where we got in the boat. What I thought we did, I swear, I thought, I mean, I thought we did. I thought on that boat ride, we went inside and drove around in, in the, what do you call it? I don't know, the gondola ride. I thought it went from from outside to inside and back outside and you were and you were finished. That's what I thought I remembered. I, I guess it didn't happen. Uh we get in the boat, we go out we go in this tunnel, we do a U-turn, we go on the other side of the tunnel, and then we pull right back up to the dock and they're like, "All right, here you go. Thank you f- 
for your $140 is the best $140 you probably ever spent in your life. It's stupid. The ride lasted 10 minutes. The guy sang two songs and he was like really getting into it. Like for real. <laughs> Listen, did he sing horrible? No, but he was like really getting into it. Like he was trying to act like he's who's a, he trying to act like he's Frank Sinatra. You know, you weren't Frank Sinatra. It was horrible. Oh, by the way. And he, and he sang, uh, with an Italian accent, but he was like really hamming up the accent. So my friend asked him, I didn't, he said, are you from Italy? He's like, no, I'm from here. But in the, in the Italian accent, no, I'm from here. He's like, this is for the, for the ride, but he still, he, but he never broke character. And, uh, so when he really sang, it was like super nerdy. And I was, and I was also upset that we U-turned. It was, has anybody ever ridden this ride? Is it just me? I swear it went from, uh, from outside to inside. I don't know. Call me crazy. That's what I think I remember. I don't, you know, somebody point me in the right direction, please. Cause that's, that's what I think. Uh, and listen, all that was great. And we had a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> I will just add one side note. Cause I know the list and I, like, I know the people I went with, they're like, you're not even telling stories. Yeah. I know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. See how that goes. I will tell you this just cause it's funny. I'm not going to share the photos on, uh, you know, so every time somebody takes a selfie and they're going to put it on uh social media, they're, they're taking it and you know, and they're like really hamming it up. They're getting the right angles and the right lighting and they stare at their smiles and they're like, mm, I don't like that. And then they redo it. And then, uh, they'll take another picture. Like mm, the other person, mm, I don't like that. So they're like, redo it till it's right. So I was, it was my mission. It was my mission to make, <laughs> I was calling, I was calling them natural photos. Uh, I wanted to make natural photos. So I was like taking pictures of people as they were shoving food in their mouth or they were talking or staring at their phone or any awkward face they made. Uh, I was taking pictures and I was doing it to, <laughs> to everybody. And then I would send it to the group because all, all the group, we had a group text on this thing. And so they're like sending pictures of each other they thought were good. And then I sent ones. I mean, I thought they were good too. It was just good in a different way. They were natural photos. That's what I do. But I specialize in natural photos. So yeah, I mean, I got some pretty good shots. I got such, I feel like such good shots that people <laughs> were saying, can you please not post those shots? Because I mean, they were so good naturally. And, uh, you know, like my friend, Sarah, I don't know what she was looking at. I have no idea. Um, but she, she, have you seen that guy? Um, I just see him on TikTok, but I don't know if he's on Guinness book of world records. Just check the guy on the internet who can make his eyeballs pop out. Uh, I took a picture. I don't know what she was looking at on her phone, but that's what she looked like. She looked like that guy who made his eyeballs pop out. And, uh, she didn't know that she did it. As a matter of fact, and the reason that the photo even happened, I just feel like God wanted it to happen. I really, I feel like God wanted that photo to happen because uh, I wasn't recording it. I was snapping random pictures. I got that just the split second she did it. And uh, probably the most memorable photo. And then, you know, you know we have this uh, 
had another friend named Misty there, and I took a few pictures of Misty. I thought they were good. They were good natural photos. She didn't feel the same, and it's fine. But maybe I'll start a natural photo collage one day, and we'll all we'll all show you Vegas as it actually happened, not not the Instagram version. Um, but maybe I won't. You know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's what they say. You know I I I've watched dystopian movies for however long. Um, I don't, to be honest, I, I don't know of that, that name, that movie designation style of movie, whatever you call it. Right. I, I didn't know the term dystopian until, I don't know, five, six years ago. My wife said, <laughs> that's how I found out. I was like, what are you reading? She's like, uh, whatever it was. I don't remember. Oh, it's this one. It's a dystopian type, uh, thing. That's the first time I ever heard it. I don't know where she came up with such knowledge, but I'm like, what is that? And if you don't know, you know, it's like uh, post-apocalyptic kind of stuff, like the world's changed. Uh, a lot of those things have to do deal with, like, government, big government taking over. Watch, like, the Hunger Games or, like, Maze Runner. And I'm not saying it's to that level, but when you watch those movies, in, in all those movies like that, those dystopian type you always hear like government announcements over loudspeakers or it's all, it's on uh, screens and, uh, you know, they're like giving you the warnings and, uh, right. Like people control kind of stuff. And I'm not trying to be all like conspiracy theory either. Like there's, there's no story behind it other than what it is. When, when you walk in an airport, I was, I was in Las Vegas airport and I walked in and there were TVs running and on the TV, I don't, I don't, I have no idea who it is. He's like, Oh, I'm, I'm whatever my name is director of national security. And it's playing on TVs all through the airport while announcements other than the TVs is going over the top of it. Or what the, at least they let that finish about where your mask, your nose, it's a federal mandate. You will be charged, you know, whatever. And so that's playing in the background. Okay. And so right now you're like, okay, well, COVID's here. And, and, uh, if you've listened to, to me, I look, I'm a believer. A, I've had it. And two, my brother, that didn't work out. And I've, and I've had some friends, uh, that I know who didn't make it right. So I, I know that it's real, but I'm saying that, uh, <laughs> it's just like, they're like really pushing it. And then there's vaccine things, uh, saying you need the vaccine, like all that government, that kind of, that kind of stuff. I mean, that's what it is. Right. But, but what gets me is the people that Homeland security hires, like they hire, look, I'm, you know me. I say it all the time. I say it in every show. I'm not fit. I'm not. I once was, I'm not anymore. So it's not like uh, I'm a skinny guy making fun of people. I'm chubby, but it seems like Homeland security only hires 65 year old chubby up to 65 and because they've got a wide variety but you know there's one lady i have in mind i'm just gonna say the lady's probably 60 years old and here's what bothered me about the lady is she's got her tsa uniform on and she's walking through the crowd like um (laughs) remember in middle school when people would bow up remember that where they'd stick their chest out and hold their arms out real wide and bow up and walk around that's what she was doing she's look you're a 60 year old lady yeah, you have some authority. Oh, but she was walking around with a mean face and would like just call commands to people. 
And every person, like, that's when I was standing in line, all the people look at your IDs, you're like, they're just like yelling at you. Nobody's nice. Not one of those TSA people were nice. They were all rude. They're all exceptionally rude. And and, and it just bothered me that I'm watching people that outside of that door who holds no authority in the world, who don't have a shot of defending themselves in real life, walks like they're tough because they're inside of the airport because of the government control that they allow them to have. Now, I was in the military when 9-11 happened. I don't, I mean, you know, like I, I know why, why, why the protections there, but that doesn't mean that you have to be rude. As a matter of fact, guess what people, you can still actually do your job and be nice. That's a, that's actually a thing that you can do. You can actually still do your job and be nice and enforce the rules. Now I realize that here's, 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 here's the problem. They have to deal with the general public. Are there some dumb people? Yes. Are there people that say stuff to them? Yeah, probably. But also, um, (laughs) because of what just took place, that's why people say stuff to you. Stop acting tough. If you just acted nice and not rude, like people would talk, like stop with the commands, say, please, it goes long ways. That's why I hate, I don't, I do not like TSA people. I hate them. As a matter of fact, I don't like them at all. You're like, oh yeah. Do you, do you not want them there? Um, yeah, there needs to be airport security. A hundred percent. There does there, there does. <laughs> I made those words up a hundred percent. There needs to be airport security. Yep. But I'm, I'm not disagreeing. Do I think that they have to have an entire enforcement wing? They have 250 airport security where you check your bags in. Do, do they need that? No, they don't. It's overkill. Like all the, it's just, it didn't exist something horrible happened in, in, in the country to, to make that happen, but to take it to that level. And look, I, I just don't like it. I don't like it at all. So, I mean, you know, normally, sorry, that's the soapbox, I guess, but because normally I try to be funny, there's nothing funny about it. I don't like people that act like that. Like be nice. That's why people hate you. If you don't know or dislike you, maybe they don't hate you, but you know, they, that's why they dislike you. I've had enough of it. it makes me not want to stuff like that makes me not want to fly, but it's not everywhere. It's not everywhere. It's usually big cities. Uh, I, look, I've flown to Billings, Montana. They're the nicest people ever. Every one of them. They're all super nice. Um, but when you go to a lot of airports and deal with people like that, like it's like the people that you give authority to, and it like goes to their head. It's those types. And by the way, I'm not even talking about law enforcement because i know some people are like oh yeah law enforcement no look are there some law enforcement that way yes there is but a lot of them still got to live in the community so yeah they may frown or whatever and then occasionally they'll talk to you if you just have a conversation with a regular one they'll always talk to you but if your only interaction is in the middle of something well maybe it doesn't always go so smooth but i'm forced to interact with these people at the airport like be nice it's just unbelievable i, I can't i can't stand people like that Anyway, uh, I don't. I hate to end on a way not funny note, everybody. So, <laughs> sorry. sorry. Do your job, TSA. Be nice. Um, love everybody. Thanks for listening. And uh, put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. I'll see you next week.